We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. third pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, the Charlotte Hornets select LaMelo Ball from Chino Hills, California. TJ, oh my goodness, stunning with the left hand. All right, guys, welcome into BuzzBeat, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. This is Richie, and I'll be joined by Brian and Lee today here live on the Green Room app. Brian, welcome back from Denver. We missed you. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Glad to be back. Um, a little sad to have vacation over with, but it is one of those vacations I've come back energized. You know, sometimes you come back from vacation, I feel like you're you're just like, you know, it's like on a Sunday, you got to go to work the next day, and that's no fun. But no, I've, I've come back with a little little pep in my step and um, ready to talk some Hornets with you guys. And you were probably out in Denver thinking, okay, I got no cell service. Uh, the Hornets are not <laughs> yeah. making moves. Maybe that's just because I'm not receiving any updates. But no, no, they have not <laughs> really made yeah. any moves. So that's yeah, how that works. No, I, I, I got to say, there were multiple people when the when the like the Buzzbeat Slack channel was, which has just continued to just go nuts for weeks, months now. I don't really know, but there was one point one of my friends was like, "What the hell? Why is your phone like?" We were at dinner, you know, a meal or whatever, and they're like, "Why is your phone, you know, vibrating so much?" It was like, you know, people want to know if if Rashawn Holmes is going to sign with the Hornets. <laughs> you know, you just, you just like, I mean, you guys get this. You just like can't explain this sickness to like. 95% of the people in your life, they just, they, just don't, they just don't know. They're like, who is Rashad Holmes? Is that a real person? And why do the Hornets and their fans want him so badly? And you're like, well, I don't really have the time to explain it to you. But no, glad to be back. Left the day after the draft, so which was a week ago. So here yeah. we are. How's it going with you, Lee? Oh, I'm fantastic. Good to have BG back. Um, I will say, every time I hear the intro, I, I miss Eric and Dell just just a, yeah. just, a, just a little bit, you know. Yeah. Like yeah, the that that always gets me a little riled up. So I'm glad yeah. BG's re-energized. And uh, yeah, I mean we've got uh, we've got some stuff to to banter about. That's for sure. Well, speaking of the intro, I might have to take off Devontae's part. Oh, oh man! Ooh, good yeah. point. Ouch, yeah. that hurts, dude. So, yeah. 
I, I, I will yeah. adjust that sooner rather than like, I don't know it, when I, whenever I have time, but anyway, yeah. if you're listening to this on the podcast version, depending on when you're listening to it, these deals that we're talking about will probably become final. Uh, I guess if you're listening after 12.01 PM Eastern time, teams can officially sign these free agent as the moratorium is lifted. Now, Let's first start with the departures, and then we'll get to the supposed interest in Lowry Markkinen and the addition of Ish Smith. So for Devontae Graham, uh, he was dealt to New Orleans in a sign-and-trade. Four years, $47 million, which is an average of about about $12 million, a little bit under that. In return, Charlotte did get a lottery-protected first-round pick, which was great. You know, I, I don't know how long that is protected out, but we do know in 2022 it's protected uh, for the lottery. I think the thing here is, like, what what was the plan going into free agency with Devontae Graham? Like, were they trying to bring him back? Like, was that the plan? Or were they trying to force a sign-and-trade? Like, or maybe there was, like, a magic number that they just didn't want to exceed. Like, that's – I don't know exactly what they were trying to do with Graham. Do you guys have any thoughts? I figured similarly, like there was some type of magic number, like you said, Richie. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what it, what it was. It's certainly less than probably twelve a year, um, because Devontae is such a quality backup, and he's a guy they drafted. He really carried the offense two years ago, and then was still, even with some struggles and Lamelo in town, like last year, a hugely important offensive player for them. And, like, one of the ultimate, like, good vibes guys and leaders on the team, despite the fact that he was younger, um, you tend to want to hold on to those guys, right? And I, I realized that, like, the arrival of LaMelo really does limit Devontae to, at least on paper, being a backup. I think that sort of, like, narrow casts a little bit what his role is because this is a guy that would still play big minutes and take big shots and would play next to LaMelo, would still close out plenty of games and stuff. So... It's, it's one thing to say, like, oh, he's a good backup. It's another thing to sort of, like, elaborate and really get into, like, what his role would look like. But in my head, I, even after they drafted Book Knight, I assumed that meant the end of Monk. But I figured Devontae's still around, and I was already in my head thinking of different ways that you could really leverage the pull-up, the deep three-point gravity of Devontae Graham and use James Book Knight, who's such a good cutter, a good mover with all the basketball to play into that space created by Devontae. So, like, I... I figured he was he was coming back re- kind of regardless of what the number was. I was sort of hoping more in like the as I said, you guys the Monte Morris, you know, twenty eight over three years range. So you're thinking nine nine and a half somewhere in there. Um, there were some projections where it's you know he was. I think Hollinger's formula had him as like a you know fifteen sixteen million a year player, and he sort of ended up landing somewhere in between those two. Happy to see Devonte get paid, but I'm a little bummed that it's not. In Charlotte, um, they at least didn't lose him for nothing. You know, they, they did they did retain a first-round pick, or they got a first-round pick back, albeit protected like you mentioned, Richie. But I just don't see, like, Devontae's heading into the prime of his career, and he is, despite the fact that he's not a rim finisher, he doesn't get to the rim, because of his pick-and-roll pull-up gravity and because of his shooting off the catch and off the dribble. Like, truly, one of, like, the, one of the true, like, long-range bombers in the league from 28 to 30 feet off on the catch volume. and on big, you know, volume. on big volume and off the dribble and off the catch. Like yeah. he was one of the true high volume pick and roll players in the league two years ago in this past season, 
he was, I think, second in the league in spot-up efficiency, again, on, on tons of volume. So I just it's hard to replace that kind of, like, three-point shooting and passing. It's not easy. So, um, but, I, yeah, I assume there was there was some type of number, and maybe Charlotte was, was really playing a, a bit of hardball, yeah. thinking that, the, you know, like, he's only going to be the backup. Although, again, I, I do think just labeling him only as a backup you know, it makes it feel like, oh, he's strictly a second unit, change of pace guy, and it's like, no, no, no. Like, he's a little more than that. Like, he's a real rotation piece and a guy that could play leverage minutes for you. So, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, Lee and Richie, what do you what do you guys think about uh, Devontae and sort of like the plan they had for a free agency? Yeah, I mean, it is a little it is a little confusing. I mean, I've <laughs> I've been of the opinion going into this offseason that, that I would have liked them to retain both assets, and by that I mean I mean Monk, Monk and Graham. Um, I, I've also kind of been of the opinion that long term, you probably can't exist on this roster uh, with all three of, of the smaller guards we have. And obviously, that includes Rozier. Now, Rozier's the only one back, and he's on an expiring contract. I do think that New Orleans probably slightly overpaid for Graham services, particularly particularly considering the fact that they lost Lonzo Ball. And Devontae Graham, Brian, you laid it out really well. He's he's a long-range bomber off the dribble and off the catch. He's a, he's a solid offensive connector and passer and playmaker. But he doesn't score at the rim. He doesn't score in the mid-range. And he really doesn't defend at a very high level. And New Orleans was just a complete sieve on defense last year. So they trade out a defensive point of attack guard for Devontae Graham, who I love to death, yeah. um, but but does not really bring much in that department. So I'm, I'm kind of in this strange mix of emotions where I feel like he would have been a much better fit on our roster mm-hmm. being retained than he is in New Orleans, but I'm happy for yeah. him. He got a big deal. He deserves a big deal. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll get into kind of later in the episode about kind of the void um, that these two guards leave on our roster. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, like, like I was saying earlier, like I think there was a magic number that they would have been happy with bringing Devontae back. And I think this number here that New Orleans offered was just too much for them to consider. But yeah, the, the void is huge at the point guard position. And I, I think, you know, it, it would have been OK to like slightly overpay Graham even if he is coming off the bench, because he would have been more than willing to come off the bench. Like, that's how he was. Like, yeah. he's, he's a locker yeah. room guy. Like, you know, despite mm-hmm. all of his flaws on the offensive side of the court, inside the arc, despite some of the flaws on the defensive side, being undersized, and you can only do so much with that, even though some of the advanced numbers did say that he performed well on that end, you're, you're going to miss Graham's personality and just kind of his presence inside the locker room. I, I think that sometimes that stuff goes understated. Oh, and Richie, just like yeah. just like a homegrown development talent, yeah, like it, that that always hurts. You know, the, these kind of things, like they they moved around in the 2018 draft to get that pick to draft Devonte. These right. are the kind of things that like front offices like fucking pride themselves on and hang their hat on. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, you don't you don't just let that walk out. You know it. It is a bummer to see Malik Monk walk for nothing. That's not a huge surprise because it seemed to be trending in that direction for a little bit. As, as much as I don't like that, that seemed to be where things were going. Devontae, it is a little bit of a surprise. It's kind of interesting, too, because they could have – I think if either of you brought Devontae back at $12 million a year, even if you thought that was like an overpay – which like mm, debatable, maybe a little bit, yeah. but I think, I think I actually, you know what? No, no, no. I agree with what you guys said. Like probably, probably a little bit of an overpay. I think you can say that, 
but I still think that would be a tradable asset. Like it's not a disastrous contract, but I guess the thought would be, well, when's this trade value going to be maxed out on right now? You know what I mean? And so if you thought, well, we could bring this guy back. It's at a number we're not comfortable with, but we could use it as a trade ship at some point in time. But right now we're being, we have the ability to use this to get a first round pick. All right. Well, well, we're just going to pull that lever right now, but it's just, it's, crazy to go back you know eight or nine months ago and be like yeah there's no Devonte graham going to be on the roster going forward he's a pelican now just like you would not <laughs> it's it, i know stuff moves quickly in this league but like that that one is like a a little surprising and uh and richie i gotta say so there were a couple months ago you spencer and i did like multiple hypotheticals of like which of the three you could pick two of rosier monk and graham who would you rather have and i know i picked <laughs> I think Devontae and Malik Monk, and, uh, and now they're both gone, and, and, and Terry Rozier is the last one standing. Yeah, yeah, so, oh well. I kind of view Monk a little bit better of a player, more well-rounded than Graham, just slightly, just slightly. But I, I think with the way that Monk's kind of experience here in Charlotte has turned out, I kind of resigned to the fact that he wasn't coming back, regardless yeah. of, like, you know, our interest, his interest. It just, it just didn't feel like he was coming back, and he signed the veteran minimum with the Lakers, yeah, I hope it, I hope it works out. I yeah. really do, and and I, and I agree with you on Monk too. Like because of his defense and his ability to pressure the rim, like he like I like his two way game more. But Graham is probably better in this one skill, which is like the deep pull up shooting, and that's like that's like the one of the two most important. It's like that advantage creation. Those are like the two most important like half court offensive skills. Graham has one at a pretty like high level, and that's just. Like probably why he has more value league wide than than someone like Monk. Um, I hope it works out for him in LA. I don't really love the fit though either. Well, they've got you know they've got some depth with Westbrook coming in, Wayne Ellington, THT. Yeah. I think Ariza signed there. It's funny you mentioned his defense on the the Twitter timeline the other day. I saw someone there was discourse. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> there was Monk defense discourse. It That's was a good awesome. way to put it. Yeah, he's he okay. Let me put it this way: he's average. He's 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 yeah. he's adequate. But yeah. to say that there isn't going to be a drop off between Caruso and Monk, you are you're kidding yourself. You're kidding yourself. Like, <laughs> yeah. Caruso is one yeah. of the better you know perimeter defenders out there. And I think you know Chicago is getting a good one there. So any thoughts about Monk? I just don't really have you know too many takes on. Uh, him. I will just, I will yeah. say this: it's it's um it's going to be painful. If the reality comes to be true that Malink Monk wins a title as like the offensive link <laughs> yeah. of the of yeah. the second unit of a of a LeBron AD Westbrook led team, mm-hmm. and like I'm not saying that's definitely going to happen, but I can absolutely envision a world in which it does. I still think Malik Monk has a lot of value um, in this league. He's as as we've joked about a million times in this podcast, he's still incredibly young, and he has made strides in his past two seasons. And albeit it hasn't been on a consistent basis, and he's going to have to put it all together. Uh, I like it from league. I think bet on yourself. Try and have some, some big moments in the playoffs with a marquee team, and, and see where your career goes from there. I, I'm going to miss him particularly. There was always kind of this feeling this past season with the Hornets where. If the starters start slow, and they did a lot of times, mm-hmm. Bridges and Monk off the bench was like kind of this ace in the hole that you had to just completely yeah. come in, disrupt yeah. the game flow, get up and down, offensive punch, and they changed multiple games yeah. in a positive way this season. 
And I'm, you know, again, we'll probably get into it a little bit more later, but I, I just don't necessarily see where that comes from this year um, with Malik Monk and Devontae Graham. Uh, yeah, absent. yeah, agreed. Again, Malik Monk won't turn 24 until February. Got to remember that. I mean, four years in the NBA, he's still just like 23 and a half years old. It like he he could still be getting better. Um, the last two years, he has gotten better. I've actually gone back and rewatched a couple of Hornets games from this past season recently, the last couple of weeks. They've mostly been from, like, the period of the season before the injuries and, like, after Malik got into the rotation. Well, I would hope so. Yeah. And he just <laughs> – he had some – he had some games that were just incredible. And yeah. it wasn't just the games where it was like, oh, it's Miami, and now Malik's breathing fire and just throwing in every three he takes, where it was like meaningful playmaking, meaningful half-court playmaking, the game-winning drive that he hit against Sacramento where he gets the and one plus the finish. Um, some of the big-time shots he made. And, and, and again, the defense, yeah, I agree. He's not Caruso. Caruso's a very good point of attack on ball defender monk has made has gotten a lot better um but he, you know, he's not caruso but just you know some of the rim protection he gave you the help rotations some games where he had two steals two blocks plus three point shooting it was just like plus the rim pressure he was just putting it all together in a way and i thought it was pretty impressive too there were there, there are so many you know actions and after timeout calls that the hornets make where yeah, James Rago would dial up plenty of stuff for Malik Monk, but there was also a lot of stuff that he would call up out of a timeout where it was contingent on Malik to catch the ball, get from A to B, and then make a pass, right? And so I thought I thought he was phenomenal at doing that type of stuff, being like, all right, I got to come across these two Iverson screens, catch, turn the corner, look baseline, and then make this make this twenty foot, you know, thirty foot pass to Rozier who's coming off a flare in the corner, and like he just constantly hit his marks there, like. He's ready to be a part of a system, but he's got plenty of like skill and freelance and freelance ability and craft and the you know obviously the, the explosiveness around the rim. I will just never I'll just never stop like buying this guy's talent. Like I, I think it's real. I think it matters. Um, I don't know if it'll work in LA. So we might be having this conversation again a year from now, being like, well, I, you know, hopefully it works in Dallas or you know whatever. But, but yeah, it's it's a bummer because I think he fit Lamelo really well. I think Charlotte will miss his movement shooting. I think they'll miss his playmaking. I think they'll miss the fit next to LaMelo. And, yeah, having seeing a former lottery pick that was playing pretty well the last two seasons walk out the door for nothing, yeah, yeah, it's, it does sting a little bit. Yeah. But, but, but to be clear, like, I, I agree with everything you guys said. And, Lee, you just mentioned this. Like, I'm happy Malik's betting on himself. I will root for him. I want it to go well. And uh, it would be pretty cool to see, get to see, like, you know, Devontae play with Zion and Malik Monk play with LeBron. It's, it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around those things. But I, I hope I hope it goes well. Um, and the Lakers are going to need his shooting, too, because obviously they've had plenty of guys sort of, you know, they've, yeah. they've had to pass up on Kuzma and KCP to get Westbrook. And I know they've brought in Ellington and, and Melo, but... You know, you could see Monk being a factor for them this year. You could. So, best of luck. But, it, yeah, it does it does sting a little bit because I just don't think, like, it's hard to go from Graham and Monk as your bench guards to rookie James Booknight, who I like, but a rookie um, that doesn't have the, the passing craft that those guys do in, in Ish Smith. So, that that's, like, a little – that's a little tough. Yes. And this, not to just totally go down another tangent because we should stick with whatever we had sort of planned out, but, like – it is very obvious this team, they are putting so much on LaMelo Ball's plate 
Like right. it is, it is like he is going to be the. You know, I, I think Ismith is a solid backup. If Gordon Hayward's healthy, he will help. Miles Bridges has made strides as a as a as a creative brothers. Richie, you did a video on this not too long ago. We've talked about it a lot on here. I've tweeted plenty of videos about it. It is they are going to be so dependent on Lamelo for creation next season for advantage creation for link up play. It. I mean, like, I think he's up for it. He's incredible, but he's also 20 years old, um, and he needs to get stronger. I just, I, I don't know. I'm looking around wondering, like, where the secondary creators are that isn't, you know, Ish Smith and, and you know, I guess, Rozier. There's, and, and obviously Hayward, but. The burden's going to be heavier, right? Like, the, Yeah, the, there, there's no doubt. Yeah, I mean, with the mixing and matching of lineups that JB loves to do, yeah, obviously that flexibility has gone down with, the, you know, the departures of these two guards here. So you mentioned Ish Smith, so let's go ahead and transition to that. So the potential signings here of Ish Smith and the rumor about Lowry Markin, and we'll go ahead and get into that. So Ish Smith here is going to be potentially signed with the room mid-level exception at $4.5 million. So let's talk about him as the player, and then we'll kind of talk about you know, what what he can do for this team and kind of what you were just talking about, Brian, in terms of how much of a drop-off is this guy from, you know, Malik Monk and Devontae Graham. I, I think Ish Smith, obviously, he's been around the league. He's played for, what, like 12 teams or something like that in his career, which is ridiculous. Biggest assets is the fact that he's quick, he's shifty, he's a good playmaker, um, he gets good looks for his teammates, he can drive and kick. I think one thing that uh, Borrego may or may not like about him is the fact that he loves to live in the mid-range. He shoots a lot of shots from there. He has shown improvement from behind the arc, but I don't know if I truly buy that. Like, I'm not sure I can really buy that, considering over the course of his career, he hasn't been the greatest from there. And if, I think if you look at his free throw shooting percentage, it's not that great either. And then defensively, he's just undersized. Like, he's not going to be great. He's not going to really be that that good either. But, you know, I, I trust him enough to not be completely, you know, falling off on that end. Uh, he's a veteran presence, which the Hornets desperately need, well, you know, with Cody Zeller leaving and stuff like that. So any thoughts, Lee, on Ish Smith, the player? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy, with Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketplace platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. It's okay if you don't know much about marketing. 
Constant Contact's writing assistant tools and automation features help you craft messaging and say the right things at the right time. I use this to help write and send my email newsletters, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're, you know, first of all, this is Central Cabarrus alum legend and Wake yeah. Forest legend Ish Smith. Right. So, uh, right. I mean, a guy who I honestly grew up like idolizing as a high school basketball player. He was just incredible. I mean, you think he's fast now? You know, you should have seen him. Uh, you know, yeah. ten years ago, the guy was just a complete and utter blur on so the court. You didn't Still idolize is. Michael Jordan. You ad- you idolized Ish Smith. Ish Smith. Okay. Ish yeah. Smith. <laughs> So, so look, you're right, Richie. I mean, he fills a desperate need after the void of Devontae Graham and Malik Monk. He's um, he's a low-volume three-point shooter, even though he has improved slightly throughout his career as a three-point shooter. We're talking two to three attempts per game max, where Devontae Graham, you know, he was getting, it up, getting them up at a much higher volume and on a higher percentage rate. So um, he doesn't necessarily fill any of the shooting – you know, Void, he he is a solid veteran season defender, but but like you said, he's just limited in the fact that he's a size. So he's like a very professional backup point guard. He will be a viable option. I, I think he's I think he's certainly a better like wiggle on the ball playmaker than a guy like Brad Wanamaker was last year. Mm-hmm. Obviously he gives up he gives up size to a guy like Wanamaker, but this team is gonna need guys who can ISO create for others and, and just put the ball on the floor and, and create advantage. And I think Ish can do that um, to a degree. Um, so he's going to play. He's going to be dependent on. You guys just hit on the the, the massive load that is going to be on LaMelo Ball as as a, as a kind of playmaking engine. Um, so at least there's a little bit of relief there um, as a reserve guard for Ish Smith. Um, I've always been a huge fan. Um, but, you know, He's he's a stopgap. He's not right. moving the needle, and I think that's kind of the best way I can put it. Yeah, there. This is so like I'm having flashbacks to like a couple different things, but I'll start off first by like flashbacks to like Buzz Beats in like 2017, 2018, being like, you know, God dang, could this team just get a cornerstone backup franchise, cornerstone backup point guard? So it wasn't this like piecemeal behind Kemba of one year from sessions and Brian Roberts. Obviously Lynn was awesome, but you couldn't retain him. Um, the, the, the Michael Carter Williams, just like so many failed experiments that didn't, that didn't work out. And then, you know, I not like, then you, you get someone like Devonte, and then, you know, it's tough to see him leave. But I, I do think Smith, like as far as, far as the stopgap goes, not a bad option to have, like having someone who can North South create, um, Lee, you mentioned his speed. This is one of those things. Like I remember, I grew up insanely big Wake Forest fan. Yep. I can think about reading on like the Scout.com Wake message boards <laughs> in like 2005, 2006, being like people talking about Alex Smith. He could go up and down the court in like four dribbles, right? Because he was so fast. Like I can still remember that. And He's a big time recruit. Yeah, yeah. Recruit. 2006 class after Wake struck out on Mike Conley and Javaris Crinton. And Ty Lawson, they got Ish Smith. Um, but yeah, it's the same. It's just it's funny because like 
these conversations that we had about Ish Smith when I was like in high school, whatever, we're like having them, we're like having them now where it's like, he's really, really fast. He kind of can't shoot that well though, which is like, his the thing is, was his thing at Wake Forest too. Um, but I also think the other thing I've, I've thought, I was thinking about with Ish and um, I've, this has been sort of, has I've been thinking about this in relation to LaMelo and I think Ish clicks into it as well which is what I think is going, what is happening already in Charlotte is two seasons ago, you have a team that finishes last in the NBA pace. They finish last in the NBA in average time of possession per possession, like possession length seconds per possession um, on offense, a rank last in the NBA 30th in the NBA in seconds per possession after an opponent made field goal. Um, they're a methodical walk the ball up the court, spread pick and roll offense with Devontae Graham, you know, yep. and Terry Rozier. And that's really how they worked it. And then LaMelo comes and they run a lot. They run most of the same stuff in the half court, but, but they want to get up and down way, way, way more. And it's not just the hit ahead bombs from LaMelo, which yes, he does those a lot. And they're incredible. Like some they're just basketball, uh, just bliss, joy, like whatever you want to call it. But it is also how LaMelo wants to generate turnovers, wants to get into these chaos situations. And he's so good. He's like uniquely good at when everything is moving around at a hundred miles per hour. LaMelo is so good at grabbing the ball and finding the right guy with it. Like he just, he just, he is a genius in that regard. Um, this is a team that also, when LaMelo was on the court last season, was a full second faster in terms of average possession length on offense. Mm-hmm. 13.9 with him on, 14.9 with him off. Um, and I think you bring in a guy like Ish, and the plan is obviously like pedal to the metal in Charlotte. Look who they drafted. They went out and got athletes and play right. finishers. And then you, you, you know, your, your one signing so far in free agency is, um, is Ish Smith. And you, you know, one of the guys who leaves is Devontae. Um, who was like a good transition passer, but not really like a, a transition finisher or like a really like an engine of pace or whatever. And so, yeah, I just think they're really going to lean in on, we are going to force turnovers and we are going to, we are play fast as hell. Like, and, and it's, it's going to be LaMelo and the, 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 you know, the toy box that's just filled with athletes. Right. And just guys that want to get up and down and, and run and finish, you know, I'm intrigued by that. Certainly it sounds fun, but how, do, how does it all culminate? How does it develop? What's the health of Hayward long-term? Like, there's a lot of stuff to consider here. But, but it does seem like we're seeing a little bit more of, all right, we've got to get some track stars around LaMelo. And even when he's out, you know, you're going to have a point guard that's going to want to also push the pace too, like Ish. Yeah, that's um, – just quickly, uh, just to react to that, that's a really good point, Brian. Like, look, there are still tons of questions about this team from a roster construction standpoint but I think the way you just framed it there you can you can actually kind of follow a little bit more of a logical roadmap that they took this offseason than maybe before with that with that kind of framing in mind so I really I actually really like that yeah yeah he fits the the system perfectly in terms of just being yeah. that quick guy that can get up and down the court but I don't know if this was technically part of their plan because one domino led to another which led to them sure. you know but yeah so if the Hornets do sign Ish Smith with the room exception, they are going to want to sign someone else to fill up that cap space. And there's a rumor that was out there today. Today is Thursday as we're recording this, or if you're listening to this on the podcast version yesterday, as Lowry Markinen potentially could be signing an offer sheet here in Charlotte 
Now, Markkinen with the Bulls has a qualifying offer of $9 million. He has a cap hold of $20 million on Chicago's sheet right now. And I know that the Bulls' cap situation is getting up there. The NBA luxury tax is $136 million. I don't know Chicago's situation like to a T, but I, I know that they're getting up there with some of those acquisitions that they're about to make. So if they if Charlotte were to sign Markinen, first off, it has to be for at least two seasons if it's an offer sheet. Mm-hmm. And I do think there is a situation in which Charlotte has some leverage here in terms of finding that perfect number to offer him uh, because knowing what they know about Charlotte's situation and you know, I don't, again, I don't know the exact numbers, but I know they're, they're pushing close or could push close to the luxury tax. Now I wouldn't give in if I was Charlotte in terms of Chicago saying, Hey, you know, we're, we really want to match your offer sheet, but let's just do a sign and trade. I, I would hope that they wouldn't give in to that and, and just, you know, okay, okay, you can match Chicago. You can match. I'll call your bluff. But in terms of just marking in the player, like this is not the guy that I thought Charlotte should go after. First off, they have drafted two players that are basically very similar in terms of the position that they play, the things that they can do. Kai Jones, JT Thor. Can you imagine marking and PJ Washington, all these players that toggle between like the four and the five position. It just feels weird how they're constructing the different positions of this roster. And Markin is, is definitely going to give you some offense, right? Like he's going to improve with the spacing and his movement and his off green stuff. But I'm just not sold he makes this team as a whole better because he's not filling any gaps for Charlotte. He really isn't, to, to me, to me. Yeah, I, I don't disagree, Richie. I mean, I mean, here's the thing. Like, what is this, what is, what is this team trying to accomplish this year? And I, yeah. think, I think all indicators point, even with a kind of a strange offseason, I feel like there's still an expectation in Charlotte from the coaching staff and from ownership and even from the fan base that, you know, playoffs, like, I don't, I don't think that's, I think it's going to be a challenge, but I don't think it's unrealistic. Does, does, does signing Lori marketing help you achieve that goal? Maybe from an optimistic, if you look at it from an optimistic standpoint, maybe it does personally, I don't feel that it does. Um, for all the reasons you just laid out, Richie, we're already really heavy um, in, in kind of his like, four or five quasi position PJ Washington and miles bridges, both somewhat quietly shot the ball in the high thirties from the three last year. So it's not even like Lori brings this massive upgrade at the hybrid four or five to shooting like PJ and miles shoot the ball, frankly, just as well. And they do a hell of a lot more in the ancillary parts of their game apart Mm -hmm. from just the shooting. So you know, he's a young player that has had some moments in Chicago. He's also had, what, four different coaches since he's yeah. been with the Bulls? So and, like, one of the, and one of them was Jim Boylan, too. Right. So, so yeah. like, I'm not saying this guy was given the, the best opportunity to present his best self as a basketball player. It just makes no sense to me from a roster construction uh, fill-and-need fill standpoint. Um you know, if we do it, I'm not exactly going to be like up in arms or anything, kind of depending on what the number is. Yeah. But it, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I don't think it improves this roster on the whole. Yeah, just a, a couple things. Like, for one, 
if not for the presence of Gordon Hayward on this roster, mm. it would look like Charlotte's in a rebuild right now. Like, the, like the, the team is so young. They're really, like, only kind of built to win right now. Um, and that's that's a lot of that is contingent on, like, a 20-year-old LaMelo Ball basically playing at, like, you know, uh, like an all-star level next season, which I guess he was kind of close to this year or whatever. But it, it just you're putting so much into uh, – you're hoping that guys like P.J. and Miles and, and LaMelo really make these these big leaps and that Hayward could play 70 games or whatever. Um, and, I mean, I guess, you know, I will need to see – all of the information with the contract, yeah. what the what the what the yes. years are, possible options, team player, uh, the average annual salary, like all of that stuff. Before I like before I like fly fly over the handlebars here, um, you know, I want to see all of that stuff. I, you know, I do think it's kind of interesting. I was going back and forth with, with uh, or Austin Hutchinson mentioned this to me on Twitter earlier of like. Um, I was sort of like, what's the value of bringing a guy in like this? Because I, I agree, I don't think this guy really like does does anything to drive winning. Uh, he's a, he's seven feet tall and he's a great shooter, and I kind of liked him as a prospect coming out of Arizona. But the defense is bad; it's never really gotten better, and he offers very little else offensively. Even though maybe there have been some creation flashes, but he offers very little outside of catch and shoot. Now that's an important thing to have. But I do think we're getting to a point more and more where three-point specialists or 3 and D guys, like, you know, stretch fours or 3 and D wings, they've got to give you something. They almost have to be able to give you something else. The ancillary skills that you mentioned, Lee, I'm not sure you can be, especially if you're like a blob, if you're a blob to like bad defender, I don't think you can be just a shooter. Like, I think you've got to, you've got to be able to have something else. I'm not sure how much like positional flexibility he gives you like miles and PJ give you a lot. And it may be, so maybe that's enough because you can just sort of move those guys around. They're super malleable, but like, I don't really think you can play a lot of like basketball with marketing in as like the five. I mean, maybe if PJ and miles are out there too, or McDaniels. So you've got some, some secondary rim protection in, in those lineups, but yeah, I just don't see what he does for for driving winning. And, and the other thing too is like I am also I am here for finding prospects that are in distress and doing a second draft, right? Yep. So I like I like I like that as a way to like find value. I think it's a good option. Charlotte really hasn't done it so much, but I do like it as a possibility. You find someone you're like you, like maybe what the Lakers are doing with Malik Monk, right? Now that not that I would say he's necessarily a prospect in distress at this point, but I just don't think that type of like buy low, low risk approach is like giving Lowry marketing like you know three years, forty five million dollars. Like that to me is not buying low. You know, you know, like that. That's the one where you're like, oh man, like I, I don't even know if this guy like is a starter for this team. You're going to pay him that much money. And, and he's super limited uh, on both sides of the court, even though he has this one very important skill. Um, so I don't know. I'll be curious to see, like, if in fact Charlotte hits him with an offer sheet, what the terms of that look like. And, and I'm, I'm guessing Chicago wouldn't match. Maybe they'll just, you know, yeah. they'll just do something to get a, you know, a TPE or whatever out of it. Um, but yeah, I just, I just don't. This is not the most. Charlotte has right now what 13, 13 million dollars in change in cap space. Right. They can get up to a little bit more if they 
Uh, if they lop off one of the Martins or McDaniels, hopefully not McDaniels, but they lop off one of those guys, they can clear out some more space. They lop off two of those guys, they can clear out some more space. Um, this is just not the most creative way of, of leveraging that cap space you have. That's an asset. And maybe we overrate and overinflate just how, how valuable it is to have that asset, to have that cap space. But as we saw, that allowed them to do the Mason Plumley trade and move up yep. 20 picks in the draft and check JT4. So, like, punting on that, there is real opportunity cost to that, especially if it's for someone like Lowry Markinen that's not moving the needle so much for you. And, yeah, I just – I don't know, man. I, I don't really know if you sign this guy and it's for multi-years and there isn't – I also worry, too, that this would mean there's some sort of trade in the works, right? And, you know, yeah. maybe – Someone like PJ Washington, you know, you're thinking of Markinen is going to be the guy, you know, brought in to replace PJ, and it's like PJ is just a better player than him on on both sides of the court, in my opinion. So um, I don't know. It just it makes me uneasy in a bunch of different ways. But if the if there if this doesn't um, lead to a trade, and if the numbers and years like aren't that bad. Then yeah, bringing in a, a seven foot guy that can bomb threes. I'm sure Lamelo will get the best out of him. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. to Lee's point, he did not have a good situation in Chicago, both from a coaching standpoint and from a creator standpoint around him. Like having you know freaking Denzel Valentine and Kobe White be your table setters or whatever. Like like Sadoransky has been like a godsend for them in recent years as someone that could actually like get open shots for other guys. So. You know, I, I just I, I think there's a chance for him to be better than he has been, but he's already a good catch and shoot player. So like, I, I don't know, like what else is he going to give you other than that? Uh, I don't know. I'm just, it's just this again. This feels it feels uninspired, and it feels like a not. It feels like it's not a dynamic way to use the space that you have, um, and that's a little disappointing. Um, while you're also like waving goodbye to Monk for nothing. And while you're losing Devontae Graham for a protective first-round pick. I want to get to the point that you talked about. If you were to look at this roster, if you were to look at this, these moves in the offseason, Charlotte looks like a team that's rebuilding. Unless you were you know, focused on the fact that they have Hayward and, and potentially Terry Rozier. Like overall, top to bottom, these players that the Hornets have acquired this offseason and the players that they have lost, it feels like they're not pushing for the playoffs, which feels like, a mistake considering the pressure you know, the city of Charlotte might have on this team in terms of repeating what they did last year. My hopes for this team, after kind of looking at all the pieces that they lost and the types of players that they drafted, it's, it's not just the players that they drafted, but the types of players like Kai and Thor, like those are developmental pieces. Like, yeah, maybe they might reach this high, high ceiling a couple seasons down the road, but they have a lot of years to grow into that. And I don't think this team improved. I, I think the team overall got worse with the departures of Zeller and Graham and Monk. And, you know, we'll put Biombo in there as well if, if he doesn't come back. I guess we don't really know. But, um, you know, trading those out for Plumley and Ish Smith and Book Knight, it, you know, again, it feels like they're rebuilding. There's probably about 10 or 11 teams that I can name right now that are better on paper than the Hornets. And obviously, to get in the playoffs, you've got to be in the top 10 to make that play in tournament. So, I just, it it feels weird the way that last season played out, you know, considering, taking into consideration the injuries, they they were a top four team at one point in the season, <laughs> yeah, which is crazy yeah. to think about, but they're probably, yeah, they're probably more like a, you know, like a six or seven seed if you were to just play out the season, but I guess what I'm getting at is just, 
I don't know what their plan was for this offseason. Like, did it change? Like, how many times do you think it changed? Like, were they going yeah, into it I, with the mindset of, hey, Devontae's coming back. Uh, we might pick up somebody else. Oh, now Devontae's gone. Let's change our plans completely. Like, I just, I wonder yeah. if one domino led to the next and their whole plan just changed. The, 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 like, to your point, Richie, too, even the marketing interest is sort of like, oh, we have space and no one really else does. Well, like, uh, What's the highest draft pick guy that's yeah, like still right. you know that's like a free agent that's still around? Oh, marketing? He shot forty percent on threes this year. <laughs> Should we offer him? Bring it. Bring yeah, it. yeah, come on, we got we got to do it. He's he's perfect for us. Yeah, just it. Um, although I do think now, side note, uh, or maybe this is maybe I'm going a little bit too off to like I'm sort of like looking around the corner too far here because there's a lot of stuff that's going to happen between now and this moment. But this is a little. This does set up an interesting situation where. If Charlotte, if Charlotte misses the playoffs next season, right? And right now on paper, I agree with you, Richie. I don't think they're a lock by any stretch to be one of the eight best teams in, um, you know, in the uh, in the Eastern Conference. And we'll see about the play-in and blah blah blah. But like, it would be fascinating to see they stick back in the lottery, so that pick does not convey to New York, right? Because it's heavily protected. And then let's say New Orleans does make the playoffs in the Western Conference. No guarantee by that. I mean that's 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 hard to say. It may not happen. But that that would put that would give you know Charlotte. Charlotte could end up with the, the fifth pick and the the sixteenth pick or the the ninth pick and the fifteenth pick or whatever, which is like a little interesting to think about. Um, especially also you could consider like if things don't go well next season, maybe they look to move Terry Rozier. Maybe you scoop up another first round pick with that. It just I don't know. It's too. I'm looking way too far out in the distance, and I, I know we want to think about this team having a good season and making the playoffs and blah blah blah. But I don't know. There, there's a chance that things could go not great, but they could still walk into the 2022 draft with like a lot of power um, by having several picks in it. So I don't know. That's something to consider. But perhaps that scenario is also unlikely. If you guys have any questions or comments, please put them in the chat. Or if you have any speaker requests, we'll definitely take somebody up here. That's why we do these podcasts here on Green Room. But as we wrap here, Lee, I will throw it to you for any final points that you have about this offseason and just kind of the direction of this team. Yeah, so, BG, I've already been thinking about that too. Like, it's possible <laughs> it's possible that the Hornets end up with two picks in next year's draft. I guess it's also technically possible they would end up with zero. But, yeah, that's um, true. <laughs> yeah, the other side of the coin, yeah. <laughs> um, I had also... <laughs> to your point about the way that it feels like this team's in a rebuild, I had also thought about the fact if the wheels are falling off for some reason early in the season, do they look to move Rozier and just kind of truly embrace, um, you yeah. know, the, the the whole rebuild? The the one thing I'll say, we I think we've fairly been a little bit pessimistic on this episode. I yeah. think we've digested and kind of dissected the moves they've made this offseason very rationally, but – Here's the bullish case, right? So, like, if you're looking at it just completely glass half full, here's the bullish case. The bullish case would be Mason Plumley, Kai Jones, and P.J. Washington is a much better lineup at the five than P.J. Washington, Cody Zeller, and Bismack Biombo was. And we all know that we bled points at the center position last year, particularly when it wasn't P.J. Washington at the five. Mm-hmm. Then you go and say, go ahead, you have something, Richie? I said, well, I said now, now do that with the point guard position. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. 
no, yeah, it's fair. Um, let me let me make the bullish case. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the second point would be Lamelo Ball, Miles Bridges, and PJ Washington all make another big jump in their yeah. player development. Yeah, particularly, and this is like almost blasphemy to say, but I'm just trying to like frame it in like an art from like a development art standpoint. Lamelo Ball making a Dontich light type yeah. jump in his second year where he's just unbelievable heliocentric uh, yeah. offensive engine and it's just it all works right and then you go and you say Buck Knight is awesome as a rookie and Gordon Hayward stays healthy the entire season I know that's a lot of ifs yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. get me wrong yeah. I'm just saying yeah. I think we I think we did a, a, a very good and fair job of laying out why this was kind of a confusing and tough offseason. That's the half glass full. If everything goes right and the Hornets somehow end up as a five or six seed, I think those would be the reasons why it would happen. We can always count on Lee for some optimism. I love it, Lee. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. What, yeah. Last point I'll make. I know we're kind of dragging this on here, but like one forgotten player I think who has been forgotten is Jalen McDaniels. I think with the wing position being so, you know, light with Hayward and and Bridges, if you want to call him a wing, Martins, you're going to need someone like Jalen McDaniels to step up. He's a good two-way player, but I think the fact that he's just so low usage, I'm not sure if he's going to make that next step. I mean, right now, like you can just count on him to be a good cutter, corner shooter, closeout beater guy, but you know, he's got to be a little bit more than just this hustle guy that that scraps and gets offensive rebounds. But he's a guy that I think should or could take a next step that would help this team a lot. So I, I totally, I totally, I just reach real quickly. I agree with you. I went on uh, Owen Waters' podcast recently. We talked a little bit about McDaniels. Sort of, he was sort of asking me like, well, what do you think about the wing depth? And I was like, this is before the market and signing. And so I was sort of like looking around at some of the free agents that were still kicking around. And I also thought, well, internally, a guy like McDaniels, who played pretty well in moments last season as a as an on-ball defender, with some good flashes as a team defender. And I think if he can just shoot it a little bit more from the corners, just like a little bit better, he does so much other good stuff that you want from like a fifth option guy. Richie, you mentioned the cutting. Mm-hmm. So many times he did a, just an excellent job. I actually think he's one of the best guys in the league at this. At When he's in the weak side corner, short roll happens. He's so good at timing that cut to then be in the dunker spot when the, when the guy in the short roll is looking to make a pass. I mean, PJ hit him for dunks. Miles hit him for dunks. Cody hit him for dunks. He just does a nice job doing that. And so that type of stuff is good because you at least keep the defense honest. But he, I think, do think he needs to get into like the from the corners. You know, he's got to be 36, 37%. And he does have the closeout game, but I just think he's a guy that would plug a lot of holes for them if the three point shooting comes online a little bit more. We've got uh, Spencer Percy here in the Green Room app. Uh, he oh, could wow. not make it to this recording. Hey. Uh, yes. Spencer, real quick, we're wrapping up here. Hey, what's up? What, what are your thoughts on the uh, the Lowry marketing and stuff? Well, first of all, yeah, Green Room's awesome. I mean, I just yeah. got back, <laughs> saw you guys still recording, hopped in. I, I was just trying to listen, Richie, and you looped me right in. Um, <laughs> I, to be honest with you, <laughs> I haven't really had a chance to digest it too much. I don't love it. I think we talked about marketing the other day, me, you, and Lee. Great shooter. Uh, I, I think an okay fit with a mellow ball. Actually, probably a little bit better of a fit than I'm giving it, giving it credit for. But 
I, yeah, I, I just he's one of those guys that like what what else is he giving me other than the yeah. shooting? Now he's not he's not you know he's twenty five years old. That's fine. My wife's telling me to sh- don't be too loud. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I don't want to wake the kid up here. Um, Spencer, so just can't I, stay away. Can't we're stay fired away. up from about Lowry marketing, man. We're fired up. Um, but but seriously, I I, I mean I. Don't, I really don't know. Like, I don't know what else I'm getting from him as a player other than his shooting. But that being said, let's wait on the price point. Let's see where the contract comes in. Let's see how long it goes out. I don't think the Hornets – here's what I'll say, Richie. I don't think the Hornets – I don't think Mitch Kupchak is going to sign any contract that runs beyond LaMelo Ball or even all the way up to LaMelo Ball's uh, extension-eligible year. So I think that's the important factor to remember is that there's a lot of flexibility in, in the roster building mechanics of this team right now. And so from that standpoint, let's just, okay, I'm, I'm willing to say, let's see what happens. Okay. Yeah. So sounds very yeah. similar to what we said. So uh, yeah. you, didn't, yeah. you didn't add much there, Spencer. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was, that was Spencer right, having his Willie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was Spencer having his uh, Willis Reed moment coming in uh, to, to 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 handle a little bit of marketing uh, conversation. It, to like what's well, to Spencer's point too. Even if you signed again, I'm not like pro marketing signing. It certainly depends on what the years and numbers look like. But even if you sign marketing to 13, 14 a year, like. It's, it's, as long as, like, you know, assuming they, they would move Rozier or not bring him back or whatever, Charlotte's still going to be fine with, 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 like, you know, cap. They're still going to be, like, loose and, and have, and like, you know, liquid going forward with cap space into 2022. So it's not like it, it's going to be, like, a boat anchor for this team or whatever, um, even if it's, I don't think, the most creative use of that cap space either. And there's some opportunity cost because of that. All right, well, we've run out of time. I actually guesstimated 30 minutes for this. It's ending up being like 50, 55 minutes. So that's the way that it always works here on BuzzBeat. Appreciate everyone in Green Room right now for staying tuned. We were hoping for a speaker, but I guess we did get a guest speaker here with Spencer. Uh, Summer League is around the corner. Four games for Charlotte, Portland, Sacramento, San Antonio, Toronto. I'm hoping maybe we can do like a post-game pod where we just overreact to Summer League play. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that here on Green Room as well. So we will see you guys for Brian, for Lee, for Spencer who joined us. I'm Richie. Have a good one. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.